Welcome to the MCO Advisors Podcast. In this episode, Ryan and Corey are joined by John Baranowskis, CEO and CFP of Sweetgum Labs. They discuss the steps and processes necessary to build an RIA and answer questions from live listeners. Hey, good morning again. How are you doing, Corey? I am well. Uh, just you got some sound mute. stuff going on back there? No, the printer just kicked on, so I had to... Oh, okay. I was going to say, it sounded like something. I was like, are you next to like a dryer? <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> no. going really well already. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my uh, my heater AC is on. I'm sure this thing picks up everything. So, um, I, But I can't shut that off because it's too cold. And my wife you sound great. Happy. You're good. Good. Cool. So uh, today, we're not going to be talking about anything we just said. We're actually going to be talking about building an RIA from the ground up. And we have on, as I mentioned, John Baranaskis, a friend of ours that we have been uh, that we know pretty well. And we're going to talk to him about his journey a little bit. Let you guys ask some questions from an RIA owner who's really doing it, what it feels like, what it's like to do your own compliance, um, and, and some of the steps that maybe you can take for some processes, whatever we get into. So bring your questions for John. And I'm going to bring him on now. How's it going, John? Hey, Ryan. Hi, Corey. How you guys doing? Good morning. Appreciate you being here. First of two shows today, right? You have another show at 11 that you're going to be doing. So thanks for giving us a little gap of time. I'll make sure we get you out of here for that. That's all good. I'm back to back. So I like yeah. that. It's good. That's good cool. stuff. Yeah. From StreamYard to StreamYard too. That's really cool. Have you been practicing with it? Did you try anything else like Restream or or Zoom? I think you can even share. I, I use Zoom pretty frequently. I haven't really reshared anything with that. I think you guys did a dry run of the show back in September with me, um, and it kind of caught my interest. And Corey actually suggested it to me back in August or so, and uh, I've been playing around with it. And um, you know, I, I just been I've been doing my beer reviews on Facebook with it for the last I don't know three or four weeks now, maybe a month or so now, and then. Um, and then just I'm just starting a couple other little shows on LinkedIn with it that I'm just trying to get I'm trying to get used to it. I mean, like I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm a marketing expert by any means. So I'm just trying to, you know, find tools that are inexpensive like it is and just go from there. That's awesome and pretty smart. And I like the beer review. So what are you doing? Um, where are you going live? And what exactly do you talk about? Are you drinking a beer while you're talking about just w w what it's like? Yeah, so I uh, it's on Facebook. Uh, I'm not going live. Uh, I just I like to just sort of give my 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 uh, my own anxiety some peace of mind there, just not to you know to do this. But uh, basically, I just go on Facebook um, every week. Uh, me and a, a a friend of mine, we we pop a pop a beer. We do two or three minutes describing the beer. We rate it based on the bond bond rating system. You know, triple A to, to, oh. <laughs> to, to, to <laughs> the cool. yeah, yeah. and then. It, and then at the end of it, um, yeah, I usually give like one piece of parting advice. And it's like thirty seconds, so I try to make it not as not as, as much as little as a commercial as possible, and that's that's usually the way we work it. Has anything come from it? Do you feel like people are watching it? Um, do you feel like the distribution is difficult? I find on Facebook, especially, it's hard to push things without money. How has it been? How's it been going? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I mean, not to get too far into the weeds with it, but I mean, I, I've I've probably have gotten five natural market like reverse inquiries you know whether it was from that or from something else like i really sometimes you just don't know and you want to like hey did you watch the beer review yeah. but it's also interesting it's um i had a client that i brought on um about four or five months ago who happened to see him on youtube because i think i put him on youtube earlier on i got it like it's one of these projects i'm constantly updating but uh he saw them on youtube and he goes oh it's just funny you know like it's just like a it's a conversation piece basically it's not like you know i'm not trying to make it the you know the 
And, and actually, and, and I'll be honest, you know, it was it was the first thing on video I did. I was just trying to get myself comfortable. And I'm like, what can I do that I, I know? And I'm like, well, I can I can drink a beer and talk about stuff, right? So let's let's do it. You know, that's the so, takeaway here is is finding something sure. that allows you to find your comfort zone, and then and then from there see where it goes. That's that's the takeaway. Well, it was comfortably uncomfortable too, Corey. Like it was something I never, I never, I never made content before, other than just you know putting a something on Facebook, right? I mean, you and I talked about this sure. a year and a half ago. LinkedIn was like it was a, a job site for me until a year and a half ago, right? So it's it just takes time to use these things. Let's, because um, Ryan, you you put out uh, a post the other day of, of a lot of things you want to talk about, with John. So let's try to keep that structure because I think what'll happen is we'll uncover these tidbits along the way and and that'll provide the audience quite a bit of value. And I think, completely, yeah, completely agree. Uh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to grab on a little bit to the marketing and actually talk about it. I know some people can go live and see what they're doing. I just wanted to see where he was posting and, and if there was a, a, an RIA, I guess, conversation we could start having about what, about what was going on. So how about this? First thing I would like to talk about is the thing I think everybody's always wondering is what happens when you're running your own compliance? What does that feel like? Who's showing up at your door? Who do you have to what how, and how do you prepare for that situation? What's the anxiety behind it? You know, all, all that stuff. I think a lot of people feel weird about doing their own compliance. So at least let's start there and give us your experience. Yeah. So uh, going back about three years ago, I went to work uh, four years ago. Now I went to work for a, um, a hybrid RIA and it was a small shop, five people and two of them were admins. And so basically it was three CFPs, who one of which was the owner who was um, more or less doing a lifestyle of traveling between Naples and Lake Placid in, in North Jersey. So he wasn't too involved in the day to day. So that sort of put, um, you know, put, put a learning, learning curve on me, right? So before you know it, I'm, I'm, and I was in charge of the investment side of things. So there I am trying to you know, create a process and we ended up getting audited by the SEC like three months after I got the job. And so going through that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait. so I, and like, it was just like clockwork. Cause like they gave me, they gave me like two miles to kind of get my, my, you know, get my, 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 you know, my bearings. And then all of a sudden just came in, but luckily I created the the process of investment selection prior to that. So that kind of gave me the experience with, with working with them directly of having the confidence to say like, what's the worst they can, like, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, I think you're going to be okay. And they always find something they're, they're, they're out there to, it was, it was like a 28 year old kid that's he's a you know lawyer that's his job is to find stuff so he's going to find something that you're going to find but no there was no like you know nothing there's no no charges or no like yeah, that yeah. like like fine like a, yeah, yeah yeah it was just it was just a conversation like hey just make sure you're keeping records like this and doing like that so um my, by no means am i a compliance expert either like my my thing was you know i you know i i knew what i had to and kind of moved on and then flash forward when i started this um, I, I hired a, a third party consultant, you know, to, to do like the, the big stuff that I just don't know how to do, like filing and things like that. Um, so I, I pay them, you know, a monthly fee. It's like 300 bucks a month or something like that. But, you know, whenever I have questions like they, they, they do let me bounce ideas off them, things like that. So from a compliance standpoint, you know, I am the chief compliance officer. So that is like the, the that's that's two things. Right. Every Monday at like 9 a.m., um, I, I just want to get that out of the way for the week. So I spend like an hour and a half, two hours of just checking through the boxes I got to do. And then for the most part, I'm done. So it's, 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 once you, once you systemize it, it's not too bad. And do you think, I guess if the more you increase, increase your output a little bit, do you think that would uh, more, more content, maybe, I don't know if you're just doing a lot more, it would take a lot longer or do you feel like the, the process is pretty simple? Um, and then I have a second follow-up question, which would be, are you having, are you getting their advice on whether things are acceptable or are you just using the compliance 
company to kind of like resonate things and they look at it after the fact or how does it work? You know, cause like a broker dealer, we get things approved and then move it. I assume you just get to put it out and then you show it to them for record keeping. If it's something I just don't know if it's right or not, I'll ask them prior to doing it just so I'm not put myself in a bad situation. Right. But I mean, from a standpoint of, um, yeah, I mean, it's like as long as you're, they basically give you the templates and then you just go in and you you, you fill them out. And if you have any questions, they, they're, they're there to help you basically. Um, so yeah, pretty straightforward. How human has that process been? Like the interaction between you and, and whomever you're talking to? Uh, I would say it's an eight out of 10, right? I mean, like, like, like the, like the, the, the contact that I have is like a, is like a relationship manager and, and I don't have their direct email. There's like an info box, but it gets routed to their, their desk. And if they don't know it, they have like a senior guy that, that helps, you know, helps sort of delegate that. So that's um, kind of neat. So you build a relationship with this person. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say, yeah. Like I, we, we chit chat when we talk and that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Good. Yeah. That, I think that helps a lot of people because we we've talked to clients who they, they look at it like they're sending their content into a, a black hole and they don't know what on the other end of it is grading or judging it. And then it just gets kicked mm -hmm. back. Well, I'm not sending my content anywhere besides like I have to document it and I have to save it and I save it. You know, like I basically just screenshot everything and, and put it, put it in my, my, in my cloud. But like, as far as sending it to a compliance officer, you know, unless there's like something I'm sort of in, in, in between about, I'm, I'm just going with it. So it's free. That, that part of it is, I, I couldn't imagine what some of the LPL guys are doing. I know they're one of the best ones, but like, I can't, I, it's, it seems like it just discourages you from, from doing anything. So that's, that's you mean the amount of work that goes into keeping the record. Yeah. 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 And I, and I can speak at least to saying that compliance max, like using it for LPL side, wasn't too bad. Um, I know some people have five day turnarounds and it's like, you, you don't feel like marketing because you don't feel like you can be current and it doesn't feel, you know, it, it, it just sucks a little bit out of you. So I can understand that. Um, and while we always tell people to push through, I mean, at the end of the day, it is, it's just a little annoying. It just, it's just an extra couple clicks. It's an extra step. And usually if you're by yourself, you're always taken away from something important to do that. So that's hard, but I guess everybody has to do some compliance because now you're doing your own. But an hour or two isn't that bad. Um, I kind of thought it would be worse or it'd be more work. Uh, are you at the point yet where you feel really comfortable with things and, and you feel like you could put out a lot of content or talk about, say, 401ks or Roth conversions or something and put the right disclosure? Or does it still feel muddy from an IRA standpoint? Yeah, no, I, I, I feel... Yeah, I mean, I feel freed. I can, I feel like I can do whatever it is I want, right? And I think, I think I'm still, and it's been a year and a half, and I've only been putting content out for the last year or so. So I'm still, I feel like I'm still just trying to, you know, I'm, I'm handling a lot too, because I'm, I'm doing compliance. I'm trying to start a company from scratch. I mean, literally from nothing from the ground up. So there's just, there's a lot of plate spinning, right? And that's, that's, let's dig that, into that. Like, yeah. I want to dig into that with you. And I'm going to ask you point blank, because I don't know if I ever even asked you this question. I almost like feel like, when you and I talked 18 months ago, it was kind of glossed over. You worked at a hybrid RIA. RIA. When you decided to go out on your own and create Sweetgum Labs and, and do your own thing, did it ever cross your mind? Um, you know, I know you have wirehouse experience and I, I know how you feel about that. Did it ever cross your mind to go <laughs> indie or regional um, with a firm, with a BD, uh, was RIA just always your, your hell bent? Like I'm going this direction and doing this thing on my own. Not, I mean, not since I was at the hybrid, you No, know, I, I was talking when I was at the, the wirehouse, I was talking about, um, you know, with LPL and places like that, but 
I think it's, I, I had this conversation with somebody recently, and I think maybe you and I probably shared this before, Corey, that um, I, I couldn't do this when I was 28 years old. I couldn't do it when I was 32, right? I, I had to be 35 to, to be at that point where I even had the skill set because it's just, it, it's overwhelming. And if you, if you didn't, if I didn't, and if I didn't spend a year here, a year there, five years here, I, I couldn't have accumulated enough knowledge to confidently go into it. So it, it, it just takes, it takes time to get to that point. I can't imagine trying to learn financial planning, maybe getting your 66 or testing while starting all this stuff. That's why I imagine you at least have your footing somewhere. Would you suggest to somebody else who's thinking about going from independent to RIA or whatever to start hybrid and kind of trickle into it? Or do you think it's something nowadays where it's becoming, you know, there's, there's so many companies out there, I think that can handhold you a little bit. Do you think it's worth it to just make the jump? I had a paradigm shift um, after I left the hybrid IRA um, because they were they were trying to go fully just RA. They were trying to lose their seven, and that was a sticking point that I had. It was one, it was one of the main. It was the it was the, the straw that broke the camel's back about me leaving the company. I just got up and walked out that day. I said, "This is just not a, not a, it's not for me." And Corey knows me well enough to know that that's my personality. <laughs> like if it's, if it's not going the way I want, I'm just going to get up. Um, so uh, long story short. Um, yeah, I think I think it takes it just it just takes um, it just takes time to to really just to be ready for that, right? That's my opinion anyway. You just got you have to you have to be ready ready to make that move. And once you are, I think it's just there's nothing there's a there's a paradigm shift in my my mind that said you know hey you know you're 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 handcuffed because you had to check in for this and check in for that, and now it's just it's just post. Right. I mean, just I have to use reason and logic, and I and I you know I know I shared this with, with you guys, Ryan, back in the summer, like. You no, know, I brought a new guy on two months ago, and he's 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 older. He's he was a Merrill guy for twenty five years, and and now I'm trying to reteach him how to start being you know make, creating content. And but at the same time, I have to now as the compliance guy, I have to actually watch him as a compliance officer, and that that's frustrating a little bit to me because I just want him to go, and I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to collect the toll every time he wants to do something. But I have to make sure that like I'm not blowing myself up. But for myself, I'm my own boss basically, so it's it's good just to go. So that's that's it. I got you. It seems yeah. to be there's always going to be that game where you get to move as fast as you want, but when you have employees, like it's all on you. How do you how do you deal with things like that? Do you have a system in place to to watch his content? Do you find that takes you extra time, or is that part of the one to two hours? Um, and so at a point where now we're we're again we're just getting the ball rolling with that. And yeah, I, right. I, I made him an admin on like the corporate sites. I'm like just start putting like I. So I've been looking at um, I'm using like uh, Reinholds, um, you know, as a as a as litmus test for the, the corporate the corporate page on LinkedIn and Facebook, and Josh Brown in the gang. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and well, and the interesting thing is, like, you know, like their engagement is equal to us, which I'm like, what the what's going on here? But they're posting 80 times a week, right? Or you take 80 times a month versus 12. And I'm like, I need to get this to like 20, right? So I said, let's start posting like two times a week. That goes to like 20. Um, so that's what I have him doing. And I, you know, he'll send me like, I just posted something I'll check. I'll just make sure it's not like, you know, something ridiculous, but it's, it's just about gaining trust. And once trust is, I, I know you're all about to just give trust, but it's my, it's, it's, it's like my license on there. So I have to just make sure that it's, it's not going to blow me up first. And then, but once that trust is there, then he's going to be on his own, just posting what he wants. And, and we'll, 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 on a monthly basis, we'll just review it and call it a day. What was the feeling like, like when you file to start the business to get going, like I imagine a lot of this, it feels like you you're it's so freeing and gratifying and you're on your own and you can do like it's wide open and the road's wide open and you can, you know, let that baby go like like you're on the Autobahn with a, a, a car that can go as fast as you want. At, at some point, I imagine then you're 
there's this also feeling of like, shit, I'm on my own. Like I got to make this work. I got to do this. And I, you know, you, we've had this conversation. How has that process been like that battle in your head of like, I'm doing it on my own and I'm doing it on my own. Like one, yeah. it, it's hard. Yeah. Um, so I, I, in the very beginning, I, I was still at the other, I was able to work at the other employee while what employer, while we were starting this up. And, um, I had two days in Iowa in a hotel room, like my, my meeting got canceled. So I was just in a hotel room by myself and I wanted to just have a day of just like, just thought process, right? Just think down, slow what you want. And just immediately I noticed there's just things going on. Like the compliance is emailing about, this is very beginning to compliance is emailing me. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the custodian stuff. Like there's like all these different questions before the whole day gets washed away. So um, I do immediately that it's just, it was just going to be, it's, it's just, it's, it's, you have to be ready for it, right? Because it's not, you're not just an FA anymore. You are a true entrepreneur. And I was, now the next part I was to say is it, did, it has, the last year has opened doors in ways that I, it has changed me. It's, it's basically given me a PhD in life, right? Because because now I'm not just posting, you know, content, canned content from a corporate, from a corporate page to, to to mine. It's it's whatever I feel like. And I, if I do a, if I do a, um, you know, a podcast and that person decides to share in their newsletter, all of a sudden you're getting people that you you never even connect it with looking at something that you've created and you know whether that turns into something or not it doesn't really matter it's just it's just it's just it's just giving you that that like hey i'm doing something good here and that's that's been that's been my year i think at this point right through the last year it's like that's 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 a win so how would you outweigh the 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 freedom feeling versus the stress of doing it all is it at this point now that you're feeling, it sounds like you're getting your footing a little bit or getting some, getting a little bit more comfortable, even though it's a little bit always uncomfortable. Uh, what does that feel like? The stress, I think it comes in waves, right? I think, I think it goes, you know, the first four or five months, you're just, uh, you're dealing with, you know, you, all right, I got started. And then it's just silence. It's just that quietness, right? And then you're like, all right, I got generate activity. And you just go, 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 go. And then, you know, four months go by and like, what have I get? What have I you know, received from this? And if it's crickets, you're like, what am I doing? You know, kind of thing. Right. And then, and then luckily for me, you know, or unluckily, whatever you want to call it, COVID happened. And that sort of, <laughs> sort of that rearranged deck chairs a little bit. Right. And all of a sudden all that kind of went through. And then that kept me going until the end of the summer. And then all of a sudden it was like crickets again. Right. And then, and then you're like, all right, well, this is just a pattern. Unfortunately, I can't, I, you know, I don't have a staff of 20 people to keep this, this machine turning and all, all, you know, and, and, seamlessly and unless you do it's going to be hard but uh yeah it comes in waves to be what does someone sure. john need to do like financially to prepare for something like this like whether it, let's just assume they're they're moving a very small book of business or starting from the ground up like you did without mm -hmm. a book of business like what does someone need to do financially to prepare for that period of whiteout where there's just nothing uh the period of whiteout i would say is probably six months of business operations just to have that ready. I would say you probably need 18 months of personal financial, you know, security too, just to have that runway. So I'm like, I'm at that point now where it's like, you know, I can, I, I'm at the, uh, the, the RAs like ramen, really call that ramen profitability is what they, I just read about that with the Airbnb thing that came public. It's ramen profitability where you can sort of pay the bills. Right. And then, but like, I'm seeing like, okay. And not to, I don't want to put dollar signs in front of clients, but, you know, you say, okay, this is, you know, there's, there's X number of dollars being generated here. There's X number of, that's, that's on a yearly basis. You, you, you push this forward six to 12 months, all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the little, the noise in your head goes away. Now it's just about how much do you reinvest in the company and do you, 
do you go the Gary V way and just not take anything until you get to the point where it's just so big, it doesn't matter anymore. Like that's, that's, that's where I am right now is just like, where, where do I, where do I, where, how do I balance between needs and, and, and growing? And so I imagine that? that's a tenacity versus practicality decision in your head where you're like, obviously you need a certain amount of money for your family to survive, but it's also like, let's grow this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> for what you, what you no, where, where's your head at with that? You're, you're saying you're getting to the point of, I have to either spend, hold, or be patient. Like, where are you in that in that time? I'm frame? probably in the seventh inning right now. I think, right? I, I think I, I'm at a point where, um, I, I, for the last six, seven months now, I've been I've been letting it accumulate naturally without touching anything. Right? That's that's what I've been. I, I've I've saved pretty well in my in, prior to doing this, and was able to have a runway. Um, but I, I think you know, I, I look at it now. I'm like. I've, you know, turned, you know, a thousand to two, two to four. And then now it's like, you know, how much do you, do you go to eight? And then, and then why? And that, and that, it's like, there's at some point you have to, you have to balance that. Right. And that's, that's, that's like I said, I'm probably four or six months away from making a decision how that all kind of works out in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's we a constant that. balancing Go ahead, Ryan. No, I was going to say that it's a constant balancing act. I was exactly going to say that, you know, wherever the hell you are, um, is, is we go through that all the time is, is, and obviously you want to, you want to take money, but you want to grow the company because you know that the end result, if you keep pushing, could be, you know, doubling the income instead of taking 30. Maybe you just hold out. And then six months later, a year later, you have 75 or something yeah. like that. So it's just yeah. like it's really thinking about, you know, yeah, that that decision and, and, and wondering and being confident in yourself. And I guess the content, I wonder if uh, and I wonder if you don't find that beer review or something working or, or feeling that activity you know, obviously doesn't help push you to one of those decisions. I always feel like when we start to feel a success or start to feel things moving, I'm like, it all goes to the company. But when it's crickets, that's when I have to turn my mindset on and say, I got to keep reinvesting. I know it's quiet now, but this is what it's supposed to be. But my mind tells me like, you might as well take some, you know, be, something like that. So it's, it's, it's a constant battle for myself as well. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and for me, I, I, my opinion is, is it is all working, whether you're getting engagement or not. Right. I think, I think it's, it's, it's in there and, you know, and people see it, whether, and uh, Corey's always said this, it's, you don't know who's watching and when, right. Cause you get a view it, it's, it's, they might not engage, but maybe they like it. You know, so it's, it's right. kind of, that's, that's the balance. Right. So I think you have to, you have to go into it. I mean, that's where I'm now is I just don't care. Like you have to just not care. <laughs> right. Like, like, like be honest with you, like the kid, I think Corey and I talked this before about, uh, you know, the kid from high school, that's, you know, if he judges me, then I, I really don't care. Like, you know, like whatever, I'm, I'm still drinking a beer on Friday either way. So, yeah. That's so, yeah. I love that you yeah. brought that up. Cause that hangs yeah. up a lot of us, you know, we all kind of have to get past that and, we all get past it at a certain point in time, but the earlier, the better. I mean, at the same time, I'm still, I still have my own anxiety over things, right? I'm not gonna pretend like I'm just, I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not at the point where I'm wearing a yellow tracksuit like Anthony and just going out and just <laughs> like, you know, like, and I balance, do I want to do that? Is that, the, is that, you know, is that what I want to do? And it's like, you know, I have ideas. I think they're funny or whatever, but do I, do I want to be the funny guy? And, and I don't draw, like I'm not the, was it Nick? I think, right. He does the drawing thing. So like, it's like, you have to find your own path, and I, it's, it's, it's been that's been the year. And I think what I'm finding is dabbling in everything and having. I'd rather have smaller engagement and bigger, bigger downstream stuff. Like that letter I got. I don't know if you guys seen that. I posted that like a month ago from mm -hmm. um, from a nonprofit, and I I was hesitant to even post it because it, it almost gets religious on some levels. And I was like, oh, do I even post this on LinkedIn? I'm like, you know what? Like I just got to I just got to send it out, push it out to the to the world, and, and it ended up being the biggest non 
text post I've ever did because it, like I said, it's hard to get the, the bowl rolling with, with pictures, or whatever. So I was like, all right, well, I guess it was a win. So you can, can just I, kind of keep going. Yeah. Can I just interject? And I know Ryan wants to jump to some of these comments, which I want to do as well. No. Do you ever get to a point, and this isn't becoming Anthony with the yellow tracksuit and the big gold yeah. chain, yeah. and it isn't becoming Nick with the drawing, but when you get to a level, to a scale, I think that we all find a different level of confidence of like, I don't want to sound this way, but you almost like have an I don't give a attitude at that point. Like, now I know you're saying you want to find your lane, which you will and you are. If you have an AUM that fully sustains what you're building and your family, Let's just fast forward. Do you you probably do have more of that attitude when you're just going out there? You're putting stuff out that you like at that point. Sure, I think my personality is a little more cautious too. So I think that that's part of like I, I think I'm a I'm a extroverted introvert. I think it's kind of my personality type. Like if you get me going, I'm 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 going to not shut up. But to get me going takes a little bit of a little little bit of uh, you know juice. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's in there. Yeah. Nice. Um, I had a question and I completely forgot it. So that's cool. But we let's can, jump into a question real quick. Yeah, um, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, one must find their own path. 100% agreed. Agree always, Nick. Um, uh, Tracy jumped in and said, uh, I'm just going to try to summarize it in the sense that helping advisors uh, is teaching them how to manage their money and their business in connection with their personal goals because they're not used to seeing it from a different perspective. So I guess that's like, you know, the plumber doesn't fix his own toilet kind of thing in terms of it, it. it's hard to get advisors to manage their own money and their own business. How has that been for you personally? I know you're an analytical guy and a money guy, and I feel that way too. Um, but I have seen, uh, you know, it's, 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 I think it's very common for advisors to overspend. So how did you feel about, about budgeting and building your business? Have you always been a natural saver? Is that, is that something you always had your head strong about that was easy for you? Yeah, that, the saving part was easy. I think what was hard for me is um, I, I it's this has been a poker game, right? And you, you know, I was getting you know two seven off suit the first three months, and you're like, I'm not spending, I'm not going all in on this right now because it doesn't make any sense. And then you get that you get that first uh, that first bump, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, I can you know kind of like loosen up here and do this, do that. Um, so it, it's it's and that's that's part of the analytical side. It sort of holds you back naturally because you're. It, it's hard for an advisor to be a true entrepreneur, I think, because you're you're you, you've 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 taught yourself to not take outrageous risk and to do the scratch idea is 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 just naturally taking outrageous risk, right? So I think that was, but luckily I was in a position where things were going pretty well prior to the old company wrapping up, so I, I had a runway that I knew I created and I knew I had the skill set all together. And I think I had a, I think I have a really good product. So between between all of that, I think I, I figure I can figure out how to glue it all together. That's that's where what a is. great way to put that is like you guys are all trained to be a little bit more conservative and avoid the risk. But the yeah. entrepreneur that explodes generally takes a lot of risks. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, I just rewatched Social Network the other day, right? And then like, and and it was, I just find that I just doing what I've been doing for the last year. By no means am I suck. I, I I'm not totally that, rewatchable but. movie, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it is, especially when you're just coming from a different angle. I'm like, wow, just the just quitting college and moving to California. Like, you know, it wasn't a it was a thing, but it wasn't like enough to sustain itself when he moved. He just dropped out of Harvard, <laughs> like what's the California. So like, yeah, there's, there's something, there's, a, I think there is definitely a screw loose of people that just do this. And you have to, I, you have to, I have to, you have to embrace it and tell that little voice just to like, shut up and just keep going. That's my opinion. Anything, so. John, when you think back to the point you're at that you would have doubled down on that you maybe didn't 
put anything down on at all or that you would uh, or anything that you mistakes that you've made early on that if you you know, it's only been 18 months, 24 months, anything that you could rewind and say, maybe not would have focused on that should have focused on this. I think um, doing uh, trying everything is has been has been rewarding. I, I don't and I, and I I can't I have a hard time judging. I have a hard time of saying when things are bad. And I think that's I, I, I don't take failure easily. So I just keep on going till it turns into success. So it just and I know that's kind of cliche, but that's kind of the way I just like it's it needs to work like it just needs to work. Keep on going. And I think I, I probably would have would have preferred to spend more time planning you know, just how to get four or five different things going, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, um, you know, like a, like one of these shows, whatever, um, earlier on, because I feel like if I had the momentum I have now a year ago, like it just like, it's, it would have just been like crazy from day one. Right. Versus like starting from scratch and just not like just trying to trying to vent fire basically is where I was. Like it was the first, you know, first day of civilization, a year ago now it's like i have all this stuff going i wish i could did it earlier but it's not a regret it's just unfortunately you have to live and learn right you have to you have to learn you have to sort through things and that's just what it is i think everybody goes through that yeah yeah, yeah. it sounds like i didn't before remember you were talking about that jumping on live and doing a video isn't the easiest thing you know so for you to just say i'm going to do a show isn't like you're not just going to jump and do a show you know not everybody is like that like you said so it i think i think you'll grow as your and your confidence does as your business does and then you'll start to lean back on yourself and start to put out more stuff as you watch your business grow. And I think that's what I usually try to try to get to people or try to tell them is to be yourself first, because I think it adds into a even even being a little bit cautious, um, you know, believe in yourself, believe in your product, believe in your service, you know, super smart guy, great at talking to people. And I think jumping on live would be a good idea. So and the other thing I always think is I could tell a joke. But it's not funny unless you guys laugh. And that's something that's interesting in terms of what does the audience think about what I'm doing. So when you when you tell yourself, like, I'm John, I'm not that funny of a guy, um, I may think something you do is funny that you don't because you weren't telling a joke, but I just think you're funny in how you're reacting. Maybe you spilled your beer and you said something goofy or something that is just natural and it's or something, or, or gosh darn it, or something. Yeah. Everybody says, he says, gosh darn it, and that just yeah, becomes right. a thing, or you know what I mean? You just never know. So I always tell people to put their personality out there because that's the that's usually the spark piece that's trickled into all the content and the financial stuff that, that makes people resonate with you. Sure, no, I completely agree. And like, I, it's trying to find, I have a very dry sense of humor, I think, and trying to find that is hard to, it's hard to balance between being, you know, uh, video appropriate and, and just being like who I am. So it's, it's, it's just difficult sometimes, right? You know, like there has, you have to find a balance. Talk to me about the niching a little bit. I, I remember when you started, I, I incorrectly questioned like, why are you focusing on this specific niche? Like, where does this even come from? And now as the journey with you and the journey on my own and, and talking to advisors and seeing what you guys all go through, the niching makes a ton of sense. And I'd love to know how that's been, how you decided on that and 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 how you're attacking that. Yeah. So two thirds of my clients are in pharmaceutical or healthcare or medical device industry is basically where it is. Right. Um, so uh, that was, uh, so my, my time at Merrill was on an executive stock option team for a couple of years. And Basically, all I, I they, they gave me two months off to study a book, a binder this big about executive stock options. And 
who has executive stock options, mostly tech people and, and pharma companies. So you start acquiring just naturally this the skill set that that people in this industry need, and to get recruited over to the to the the, the hybrid IRA who focused on uh, on the pharma on the pharma world, um, and so it just naturally was a progression to stick to that because I had some I had some natural connections in there and just grow it from there, um, and and it ended up just it ended up going a ways I just never expected. Like I, I think I'm, my my old boss was paid by Johnson Johnson to give seminars for two decades, right? And then that's gone because HR has put a clamp down on that the last fifteen or so years. But then I got invited to to do a seminar for the HBA. Um, all these different things that I just never like. If you asked me a year ago, I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna be in this in this situation in seven months. It just it just isn't gonna happen. But just from being just from saying, you know, hey 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 Corey, how, how are you doing? It's been a couple months since we chatted. Send a LinkedIn message, and before you know it, the conversation goes. Do you want to do a seminar in a couple of weeks? It's like, sure, why not? <laughs> like, super, let's do it. So it's, it's, it just goes in different directions that you just don't expect it to happen. I think it's interesting. I'm realizing that you know it's it's obviously about the activity, but a lot of things don't happen unless you ask for it. And I think you realize that as you being a business owner, and especially most financial advisors know that. And I think that's why door knocking, cold calling, that stuff is still around, even if it may not be the most productive of why it works is because sometimes you just have to go grab money. And that's something I, I, I think about in terms of I understand that I want to be a marketer and I understand, you know, I want the, to create the demand to have people come in. But you know, john, like, if you have a salary you need to make, and you're supporting your family, you just need to start asking for stuff. And the other thing too, it interested me, and I think one of your guests um, was it Kristen? I think last week, or was it Christine? Uh, uh, Kristen, Chris, yeah, she was saying yeah. about how how LinkedIn actually wants you to do messages. Like, you, I, that was a question I have for you guys as we have you on there. But they somehow do they prioritize your your content if you do that? I mean, I don't, I don't understand how that works, but. I don't either, but I know yeah. the only thing I know is that I think when we think about the algorithm, everybody thinks about the feed. But I think about the algorithm as the overall LinkedIn platform. So I'm not going to be naive and to say that they're not also looking at maybe you're blowing up messages and that adds to your feed and how it comes out because it looks like you're having good conversations or real conversations with people and you're, you're using it the right way. So yeah. maybe there is an intended way that LinkedIn wants you to use LinkedIn. Doesn't mean you have to, but if you play into it a little bit. And I don't know if you've noticed that from messages or if you've seen any difference, I wouldn't be able to tell. I, I think I answer enough, a, a decent amount of messages, but I imagine people who are in the hundreds are also getting those messages because it's seeing thousands of people. So it's a little bit of both. Yeah. That's, so to kind of go back to your comment there, I was like, you know, if you, if, I feel like sometimes if you just send that message out, like just, Hey, how, how you doing? How's things going? Somehow they ended up connecting with your feed, whether because they saw your message and looked or because the, the algorithm got you there. Um, so it's just, it, to me, it's, it's just, again, it's experimentation, just trying to figure out, figure out your way. So no one actually knows. Well, I just, nobody actually knows. Kristen is giving you her opinion. And I, I would say this to everybody watching and everyone who LinkedIn is very much paying attention to all of our activity and they're scoring us based on the activity. And the more good we put into our activity, the better our score will be. I think that's probably the best way to handle it. And John, you've done a terrific job on navigating how to properly DM people. I've always been um, proud of you for thinking that through. We've had our conversations back and forth over the last 18 months about ways to do that. And it's taught me a lot because I'm working with you to teach you how to do it and I'm learning on the fly. And it's just adding value versus you know, asking people for things. And, and that yeah. would be my overall advice. Because, 
Because nobody's going to respond to that. I mean, if they do, they're just desperate for somebody and it's probably not a good client anyway. You, you want a conversation. And that's and, and I, I think you and I had this conversation back in the spring, uh, Corey, about, you know, uh, the way we, we it's almost like we put a barrier up by, by forcing people to stop and have a plan to sort of suss out if they're going to be good clients or not or how we do it, whether we manage their assets or just charge a consultant fee for it. So I think I think just just being able to slow things down. I think, that again, the world is chaos. And in the last nine months, all of a sudden, our door has been kicked down. And and now, you know, uh, the outside world is now in our house 24-7. So it's you, you have to slow things down. And that's that's kind of the process of the financial planning world. How have your DMs been working um, uh, in terms of like percentage wise, in terms of gaining clients? Is it something that you found was working so well you kept doing it and do it consistently? It's working. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I so I find... I'm an analytical person, but I find the idea of looking at sales metrics of how many DMs have you done versus how many sales have you generated to be um, to be stupid. To be honest with you, I think I think there's you you could do ten and get two, and you could do a thousand and get none. So I think there's I think the data set is hard to really manage that, right? Um, but you know, I I feel like I've cre I crafted a message that I can probably get off the cuff, probably twenty percent people to say, you know. I'm good. Thank you for asking kind of thing. Right. And, and then from there, it's it's blah, 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 blah. And then and then whatever happens from there, it could be nothing. It could be, hey, let's have a meeting. But I, I feel like I've been getting an average of maybe one to two meetings a week from LinkedIn, just, you know, initial cons cons you know, consultation kind of thing. Um, and there's been clients that have come from that. So it's it's been successful. I mean, I and I think the clients I've gotten from there are tremendous clients. They're clients that you that that everybody, they're the A clients that you want. So that's that's the important thing. I, you, go ahead, Ray. Why, why do you think it's working? Do you think it's because of who you're messaging and they go back and they see what you do? Or is it what is it what you say? Do you say something special to like a, a pharmaceutical rep or something that you think lets them know you really know their situation? Or are you just like, hey, my name's John and I'm an advisor and you just you're just kind of vague about it? I connect with them first. I wait at least a month and I respond and say, you know, it's been chaos the last nine months. How are you? That's it. It's that simple. John, yeah. John takes coaching, man. He does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's like, it's like the, and, and the patience behind that, I think is hard for people, but it's so true. The quicker the DM comes, the, the closer to the connection, the worse it feels, you know, unless it's, unless it's, you know, like sometimes I'm I'm reaching for people that I want to connect with that I don't know, maybe some marketer that I really like or somebody where I'm like, hey, I really love your stuff. And I, I send that message or whatever. But, you know, if you're trying to sell something, the closer it is to that connection, the, the worse it tastes and feels. Just the other day, I saw an article with a connection of mine um, who was in charge of Pfizer's uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Just send a DM. Congratulations to vaccine. That was it. I, I've got nothing in return. I don't expect any return. But... He knows he knows that somebody said congratulations to him. That's my thing. It's like I've I've done my deed for today, right? And it's and whether they get back to me or not, it's 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 just trying to be the the, the beacon of light. Not that I'm some you know, I'm I'm not the you know the most <laughs> sunshine and everything kind of guy, but just just be just be positive. Just create create a positive influence. And and if they if they do question you, sometimes they do, and you say, look, I'm just I show content. If you like it, if you, you know, great. If not, we're not trying to step in. If you have an advisor's toes, it's it's all about just trying to you know trying to trying to have as, as big of a billboard as possible. That's right. It's flipping the camera around. It's you putting out a beer review or a post that does really well. And someone who actually wants to sell you something, just saying, I saw this and it's awesome. And then them leaving you alone. And you feel good about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that's my sale. It's like my sale. 
is is just saying congratulations or you did really well or this looks awesome or you know, I passed the bar congratulations like whatever it is and and let them come to you right and 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 that's like you said that is really hard to let that happen and I feel like I'm still in that process I mean I you know I've, I've gotten some momentum from it but it's it's not like um like I like I'm not staring at my phone right now with 50 messages so it's 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 just it's just a balance between the two. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing it too, especially in detail, because I think a lot of people are like, what should I be doing? And it goes to show it's like all of it, you know, there, there is DMs, there is, there is marketing, there is the content, the beer show, like everything you're thinking will probably work to some degree, but you'll whittle down what works best and what you should double down on, but you won't know until you do those things. I think that's what we always harp on. I, I agree. I think I will double down something, but I think I still will do everything because you don't know what, it, what, what, who and what are watching. And I think you could find things that are, I think you, if, if you can get a, if you can get a handful of clients from each, each different thing you're doing per year, then that that's a win, right? If you can get hundred from doing one thing, then sure. 10 exit, but it's sure. 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 Yeah. yeah. You're just a good marketing student. I mean, you absorb a lot of the kind of stuff that we've all talked about and yeah. you hang on to it and learn from it. And I think that's a really good trait to have. Um, and then another thing I want to ask you while we have you to add some value to everybody. I have found in speaking with people and Ryan has opened my eyes to this and I'm not speaking to anyone in particular other than just an industry that advisors have a lot of time on their hands. Many advisors have a lot of time on their hands. How much for you, John, running, starting, building your business, how often are you thinking about that business? Um, how, how much time is that occupying in your head in in relative to the comment I made that advisors just have a lot of time on their hands and, and maybe how much time advisors might be wasting on not building their own business. That's an interesting question. Um, so I, it's, it's, it's been a lot of time to be honest. Right. I think it's, it's, it's sort of, I, I, I'm in the middle of a like life coaching beta session with a, with an entrepreneur that I met through an entrepreneur group that is basically just trying to teach you how to live with change. Right. And that's, that's what it is right now. It's just living with the change of life from going from an, an employee to, to being, a, being self-employed. And, and I've, I've done a really good job making time for the family, but I haven't done a really good job making time for me. And then just like learning things like meditation and things that are just like, what are you, where are you at right now? I'm in a meeting right now. I'm talking to Corey and, 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 and not to get hokey pokey, but the idea is, is that, um, you can't do everything. You can't boil the ocean, as you always say, right? So I think I think I, I really believe that if you if you can um, just slow things down and and find things that are like like obviously you have your you do your quadrant, you do your your seven effective habits of like what needs to get done because of compliance, what and what's important but isn't really urgent, and and just prioritizing that. So I think it's 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 um, it's 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 as often as I possibly can to give you the, to give you the answer. That's, that's the answer. It's, it's pretty much my entire life at this point. Do you feel like you're really good at taking on the big jobs or do you find yourself getting stuck, lost in what you should be doing, scrolling emails? Uh, and, and I know you have to do some admin stuff, like you said, yeah. but, do you, but because you do your own business, do you find yourself getting sucked into that world more than you'd like? Are you still figuring out how to, how to wear those two hats? There's some things I hate doing. And it's like they're on my calendar, and I just got to do them. And 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 that like I almost like sometimes I get anxiety on like a Thursday because I have like Friday, I have like three things going on that I don't want to do. But then like Thursday, the Friday comes, and then something else pops up, and then all of a sudden it's just a piece of your day, and I feel like you just got to do it. So so yeah, I, I just it's it's I mean there's a book, there's a bookkeep. I mean it's like a, there's bookkeeping, there's marketing, there's I mean there's clients, there's the actual craft itself. 
Um, so yeah, you're just, you're just trying to balance everything at once. And that's, that's not easy. Yeah. Do you find time blocking is the most important thing to do something like that? Or because I guess what I'm saying is sometimes I'll wake up and I'll realize I'm just like looking through emails and I'm like, it's 9am. Like I, I just looked at it. Yeah. I'm, I'm checking like, I, I, I've, I've already done it. Now what am I doing? Or I'll go back to it at 10. Like I got an email in the last hour. And I'm like, that's stupid stuff. I'm not supposed to be doing that. Do you, have, do you ever find yourself doing that? Or do you I just feel it, like your entrepreneurial hat takes over all the time? I think I've got to the point where the my Outlook calendar has got me it's my boss. They just tell me where to go. It just tells me where to go, and I just follow it. That's that's where I am, you know. And I, I you're, have, you're your own employee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <right. laughs> the, freedom, the freedom of having no more freedom because you have to be so constrained. Yeah, but, exactly. but I completely understand. Um, but yeah. I think it's the potential too. And and if you don't mind, I don't want to get into specifics in terms of money. But one more thing I wanted to touch on. I think a lot of people wonder what the payout is at the end of the day because because they're like. I have to get a building or an office or I have to do this, but your specific situation, you've been virtual and you're hundred percent virtual. So what does it feel like for you to get all of it? And what do you know what your net payout is at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, I actually want to bring this up and I forgot it until just now, but a year ago, Corey and I were just talking about the, the optics of, you know, working in an office from home. Right. Now it's like, it's this funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, can you imagine that a year ago? Like, I'm like, I don't know. We were debating getting a, a we, we had we had our office we were using occasionally at the old company. And then we're like, do we just get like a climate controlled like storage and just turn into like a, just like a studio and make it look crazy? And like, this is a debate we were having a year ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the pot is yours, right? And, and, and the sandbox is yours. So if you want to be a consultant, you get 100% of it. If you want to be a, have set up with a custodian, you, negotiate with the custodian and whatever you get, whatever's left over at the end of the day. Right. But you have your own overhead. You have it again, you have the tax person, you have this. And so you have to, you have to get to that, um, that ramen, ramen profitability first to get to just to sort of like get beyond that. And then from there it's, it's all yours. And that's, that's, right. that's, 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 that's what appeals to me is like, you know, I was at Merrill and I saw the comp plan. I saw how these guys got, got locked in with the, you know, with the deferred comp and all of a sudden they, you know, they're 40 years old or whatever, and they have like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars left of deferred comp they won't see. Because um, I was actually in that department for a while doing some training. So you just see these guys and they're like, they're not happy. Like, and that, that was my thing is just finding, finding a way to be happy. And, and I, I, I hate the idea of a lifestyle practice and Corey, Corey knows I have a visceral reaction to that. But the idea is to, to have good clients. I, I, I don't mind doing back-to-back meetings for, you know, six a day. Right. And like my head will be spinning up. I have to, I had a client send me, you know, 20 statements with like 20 securities each and I had to input each of each one of them. And I literally like at the end of at the end of that, like it was like lunchtime. And I'm like, I'm done for today. Like I can't do anything else. Your brain's zapped. Yeah. So I mean that's that's gonna happen. But you know, I think at the end of the day, if you get the whole pot, then I think that's you at the end of the day, you're working for some if you're not if you're if you're not completely independent. That's that was my other aha moment too, is that the the conflicts go beyond just the the whole life guy trying to sell you the, you know, the cash accumulation policy. I mean, it, it goes deep into the, into the actual broker dealers. Um, and cause I saw it from the wholesaling side, which really opened my eyes up. Like it was like my aha moment. I'm like, this is just, this is, this is not good. You know? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, a, it's been an adventure. <laughs> and what you mean by that is the top down pressures of putting people in various products or at least talking to various companies. 
Sure. There's no saying in Merrill that they put the hay where you, where they want you to play, right? And and if, if they're charging a mutual fund company, you know, hundred thousand dollars a month to be the top of their list, you know, for the biggest payout, they're they're gonna put your comp plan there. And and whether the advisor asked that question or not, unfortunately I'm the guy who just asks every question to the to the point of exhaustion and 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 that's probably my own worst enemy sometimes, but it's also got me to a point where I'm like, I can't touch any of these guys because it's just it just isn't it, it isn't for me. Can I ask you both a question? I knew this coming from the wholesale side of the business. I remember, John, when the light bulb went off for you. Um, I want to know, as advisors, do you guys know that this goes on? No. Ryan, do you know that the wholesale, the the, the fund companies and the annuity companies and, and whatever companies are paying to be available options in front of you at broker dealers and, and other firms? I mean, I I think it was something that I started to to re- I, you don't know for sure, and I I didn't know exactly. Like nobody walked up and told me. But if you now that you say that, it's like, am I surprised? Zero percent. So, um, I don't know. I'm I'm not surprised by that. I think a lot of people might know, but for me, being a being a small business and just sitting there, I didn't I didn't have much experience. So it wasn't something that we even talked about. Maybe something that's a little bit more in your face in the wirehouse world. Um, but I'm not I, I never I never noticed in the wirehouse world. Like I, I knew it was, again, I knew it was there, but it took it yeah. took being on the other side of it and watching people spend like crazy to get the attention to just be like, this is this is insane. Like this is that that's that's the disruptive moment, I think, in this business. If somebody could somebody could just if somebody with a powerful voice said, This is what's going on right here, yeah. like why are you not going RA, right? At that point, like that's that's my thinking. And then at that point, it's just gonna be trying to find a seat and everyone's just going to scatter, but that's, that's beyond my, my scope. If you don't <laughs> mind, I have two little questions that I wanted to mention uh, mm-hmm. that topics I wanted to touch on. And one is just for my own personal knowledge that other people may know. How do you get clients in a wirehouse? Well, I was lucky to be in a position of, uh, of being downstream from 401ks and stock options. So that was, that was like, I was being paid a lesser rate, Per, per unit because of the position I was in. Um, if you're in a traditional role, just like an advisor, um, like a traditional, like just like a branch advisor, let's say, because I was at the home office doing this basically. So I had the, I had that ability, gotcha. but at the, at, at, on the, on the, so I, I got to like the third round of interviews at a, at a branch with a, with a guy who was like a stock option, like a, like an investment stock option specialist. And I, I got to the, the, the branch manager and I told him like I'm not cold calling people like it's just it's not it doesn't work I tried it I tried it six years ago at the very beginning of the do not call thing it doesn't work now door knocking might work and maybe letter writing might work and things like these old fashioned ways of networking can work but to do it in six months it's 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 set up for failure it's a disgrace that still goes on like that yeah um, so that's yeah it's 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 interesting so I guess one of the benefits of the wirehouse I guess if you can handle is the fact that you could be handed a situation even if it's not the ideal one. Uh, you don't have to create it for yourself. So, but I'm not sure if that's for everybody. Well, I was at Morgan in 08. Um, you know, some of the guys there, the, the people that are mentors in 08 were like there in like the late nineties. Like that was like, they're like, they're like 32 at the time. And their big thing was like the phones were ringing back then because it was for about access. It was still about access back then to just like, I want to buy hundred shares of Cisco back in 99. And, and people were beating on the door. So all of a sudden you pick up a client and it was 20 grand before they wire in 20 million and you're, you're, you're okay the rest of your life. That never happened to anybody the entire time I was at Morgan Stanley. This was way back in you know the late 2000s, early 2000s. So 
now it's probably gotten worse because everyone, everyone, every client I talk to has Robinhood at this point, or I know they got their initiatives going out to the last couple of days. But, but the long story short is that access isn't a problem, and they're still acting like they have access to something that nobody else does. And I always tell people in the first meeting, like everything I do, I think I told you guys, everything I do is available on Investopedia or on some. There's something like there's. It's just it's just trying to organize these thoughts into something palatable, and that's that's our alpha at this point. If anybody thinks public they- doesn't know that though, the public has seen them put out that shiny bull logo for the last 50 years. And um, the public feels like the wirehouse has a wall street hold, like the sophisticated that's, that's where you go for the real money. That's, that's the brand they've built. Make money or something. It's just the idea that you're going to make money there. I always, I always thought that too. I don't know if, I don't know if that'll change, but it seems to be that way. You got the fancy advisors, the smartest people, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're, they're big. They're big stick important now. Syndicate, but most IPOs lose lose money, right? So that's that's kind of like like it's it's interesting because and the other thing, not to, this is not about Merrill or Morgan or any of these other companies. Like it's it, there's good, really good people there. I love the people I work with. You're leaving on UBS. Always about the system. Like UBS, I, yeah, I talk yeah. a lot about. I talk a lot about Edward Jones, and I we work with Edward Jones advisors. Love Edward Jones advisors. People who work there. I yeah. never never you know tell you that's that's dumb. But I, but the system bothers me, and just like the wirehouse system. But it's, it's just me expressing myself. So I, I hope everybody understands that. Yeah, yeah, and again, like it's, it's not about the company. It's not about the people in the company. It's about, it's just about people acting, people in leadership acting like it's 1999 still, and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's that's changed. And yeah. to do what I do. There isn't like I would have, I probably would would have three clients right now if it wasn't for doing having the freedom that I have because it would, it would, like my natural market's really like three clients. So other than that, like I, I, I would have washed out by now by Merrill if it wasn't, it wasn't for doing my own thing. So I don't know. It's a really me. good point. So let's over the last 18 months, you've been working on building your business. If you had the restrictions that some of these firms would have put in front of you done your business, you're done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way, there's no way. I mean, I, I guess I would have spent more time cold calling people and maybe I probably got lucky, but like, do you answer your phone for anybody? <laughs> Let's no. be honest. Like, like, who, I mean, you can call businesses, right? And maybe you get somebody to answer the phone and you can, you can, but they're at home. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right. It goes, it just goes deep. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's really nuts, but I, I don't know. It's, it's like, I'm not trying to pile on. It's just for me, this was the way to go because I felt like it freed me up and um, it didn't. And I don't have anybody. At the end of the day, the compliance team gives me a hard time about something, not like compliance thing, but just like they're just saying, like, you know, we can't operate in this particular way. You just go to the next guy down the block, right? And you find somebody that's going to operate in the zone that you want. And that's that's the power. And that's whoever whoever wins this game is going to have it all. That's what I love. That, that too is that what you just said is the power that you have to move, move the move the things around where you want it to. And and that's that's really cool. Um, yeah. my last question for you: how did you pick your custodian? Yeah. So um, part of being on the institutional side for a while is able to just sort of see what, you know, what, what they need, right. What they, what, what people require, like I know LPL wants certain things and, and things like that. And, um, and actually before my last project at the, at the hybrid, because we're, we're just deciding to change, to change custodians was to review all these custodians. And um, the, the custodian that I chose stuck out because I, I was small, this is getting started from scratch. Um, because the the payouts were you know competitive to everybody else, and they I, I, I'm, I keep things as simple as possible. I'm not I'm not trying to do any kind of complicated like you know I'm not trying to do swaps or anything crazy. Like I'm just trying to keep it as as straightforward as I possibly can. Um, so it works. It works for me, you know. And and 
And if I do come across a situation and I need interactive brokers or whoever, I can just sign a contract with them and, and go with them and, and tomorrow if I needed to. So it's that's the again, that's the that's the joy. Free market. I love everything you just said. Just yeah. having the ability to move gives you the the you're in control. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's also a burden too, because then you have to do like you have to keep due diligence records for every you know provider that you do, and it's it's a headache, but that's you know, that's unfortunately I'm in a, I'm in a regulated business. If I, you know, but everything is, it is. Yep. yeah, right. Yeah, it's the way it is the, the most free, but everything's still regulated at the end of the day. And there's still those concepts of no, you still got to make sure you're not, not doing something wrong and going all the way back to the beginning. I actually just talked to somebody else who owns their RIA and they were saying that the same thing you said, which is they always find something. And I think it's a mixture of you running your own business. It's hard to stay perfect. But it's nice to know that people aren't just getting slapped with random fines and it's more of teaching you of how to be because i think some people feel a lot of anxiety from thinking okay what do i do with my own compliance that's something i used to hand off and i used to be able to to consult with somebody back and forth but but you still get that so um yeah it's really cool and i had one, one more comment to, not to pile on the compliance thing but i i had a situation come up at the wirehouse one of the wirehouses i work for where i needed something done because of a mistake that somebody else done and I actually had to go to the headquarters of the of the company to get like I actually had a whistleblow to get something done. Basically, that's how bad. Like that's like so. My my revelation from that is that they're not they're not here for you. They're here for them. And I feel like now my compliance to protect me and my customers and my clients, not not the company that that you know the company is just a a name that I created with an LLC. It's not like it's like you know it's not some there's no stockholders that are yeah. they're destroying management or something like that's that's the that's been the destruction of the companies. All these companies have gone public in the last 30 years. And that's, I think that's, that's sort of, sort of broken down that, that, that clue. Yeah. Agreed. Before we let you go, I want to ask you um, post COVID everyone gets the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine. Everyone's feeling good. We're all coming out of the house this spring, hopefully. Um, where does sweet gum labs go in terms of a home-based location? Is it staying fully virtual? Do you start to explore part-time office, full-time office? Where what are you, where's your head at? I think virtual is the way to go. Um, you know, I think it's ninety percent virtual, ten percent face to face. Because some of the some of the um, the less tech savvy and older clients, they they want they want that face to face, right? So I'm I'm fine meeting them at a coffee shop, and um, you know, so I again my hybrid IRA that I worked for, they were ninety five percent virtual anyway. So I've been doing this for year four or five years at this point, where where it's it's you know it was all phone based versus video where we are now. But if you train people at the beginning and say, you know, hey, look, this is the way it works. You know, I, 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 I do want to meet everybody. I think that's the thing I shared it with Brian a couple months back. Like, I do want to meet all my clients. But unfortunately, the last six months have been seven, eight months now have been tough. But, yeah, that's 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 probably not going to change much in the future. And I was going to say, you know, I like to think like, is it, I mean, this is almost meeting. I mean, it's nice to be close to somebody. But I remember we were having that conversation where you said, I don't know what I would do if I started getting clients in Colorado. Maybe I'd pack the family up and make it a make it a vacation yeah. or something. And then yeah. I'm thinking, you know, or, you know, at least you're touching base like this. At least you have some type of connection. There's no good old fashioned handshake or something. But we can't really do that anyway right now. So. What I would say is, I, for having the experience with a mature RAA, with people that are in their sixties and seventies, right, seeing the other side of the the bell, they would move to Florida, Arizona, and they play golf with their buddy every day, and their guy has it. They have a guy down in Boca, and they're blocked blocked down away. It starts to break down after a while, I think, right. So there is that, but then again, we don't have video, so I, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. But I think, I think ideally, you know, ideally, I think you know. 
hopping on the RV every every two or three years and just do a crisscross across the country and just see everybody. It's, that's that's my that's that's a that's a fun trip for the kids. You know. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. So you're saying that, you, you know, as much as you like video, you believe in at least the touching base to keep the stickiness of the relationship. Say, like, I'll, I'll come see. Do you, do you like the the act of saying, I'll come see you like I'm your advisor? Or do you really just like to meet people for your own? For, for your no, own? I, I, I think if so, if, so going back, I had a, 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 a boss's boss's boss, Sally Kralchek. She when she took over at Merrill back in 2010, she got an RV when crisscrossing the country to every office, right? And to me, I was like, that's powerful. Like, she just took, I mean, I know she probably enjoyed doing it for, I mean, but if you are to cross country, you know, after a week, it starts to suck. But, but, <laughs> but, but she did it. Yeah. Like, you're going to yeah. sit here for another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the idea was yeah. she did this. So I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, that's leadership. So all of a sudden, she touched base with probably half the advisors in the entire country, right? Because she's, she's been in the office and, like everyone has seen her, and I, I don't know about you if you ever worked in a large company, but if you if you if you see the boss's boss's boss, like all of a sudden you're like, okay, like at least they they know we're here. It's not like we're just some corner in some room somewhere, you know. Even though you might be, but that's that's my perception anyway. So I think I think that's leadership. It's just it's just getting in front of them on some level and touching base. Gotcha. I, I love like that, it. man. If you had a client or clients across the country, I think that's huge. Like especially if it's worth your time, but you pop into Denver. Well, let's have lunch and then you know you fly home so what you eat a 900 hundred dollar plane ticket and that that is what it is in your day shop but you're going to maintain that relationship because that means a lot to people i think it would yeah i think I, especially yeah. like it, and again like going back from as somebody not to park on this but if you have somebody who's paying you 30 grand a year and they kind of say like I, I, a lot of times i would hear this when i was in the conversations like you know hey you know we haven't seen each other in six years i'll like you come out just we'll stop by we'll grab dinner and it's always, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it never happens. And it's just like, you feel like a little bit of just, you know, a little just dies inside. And I just feel like if you, if you just, if you surprise and delight, as you always say, Corey, I think that's, that's going to help. Yeah. That's a good conversation. And that would be really nice to be forced in a situation where you weren't able to do that anymore. The only thing I think is from a scalable point, like if you're all over the country, say you have one client in every state that, that makes it worth it to register there, you know, then it would might be more difficult for you to hop around. Um, but Again, I think those are problems worth thinking about when they're actually problems and kind of doing your way while you can do that, cementing those relationships. We always talk about uh, pretty much any business builds real revenue over long-term relationships, especially advisors. So uh, yeah. eating that $900 plane ticket is nothing for that $30,000 for the next 10 years, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff, John. Thanks for, uh, I mean, we could, we should do this more often and we, you know, check in every once in a while because I think the evolution of what you're building is, is interesting to people. It goes, it's going right. It's, it's, I'm in a whole different world than I was three months ago. And I'm sure you touch back in March. It's going to be like, you know, it's going to be, it's just a whole different John at that point, but that's, yeah. that's, that's part of the process, right? You know, who knows, you know, it's, who knows where it's going to go. That's exciting. Well, refresh, yeah, refresh the coffee for your next live stream. Exactly. Yeah. When is right, your show? When do you do it? Friday nights usually. I've been doing it so since I so originally I did it myself, and I found that like the dynamic of me just drinking a beer is kind of like is like in a dark room at like on a Friday at four o'clock. Like here we go, guys. You know, I'm, I'm here. It's Friday. We're all live. Let's do it. Uh, so I brought another guy. So we we ended up doing it over the weekend now, and I just I just like I really do like one edit usually just to like get cut clip the, the front and the back whatever, and then just boom go. You guys uh, should do like a local brewery because no one's allowed there. I bet you could find a way to do that and film there. That would be really cool. 
it's been ten, so that's part of my own. Uh, so back in January, I did this like brewery tour up in Central PA, like four breweries, and like at the time, I think I might even mention to you, Corey. I'm like, dude, I just want to go out and do do this. Let's just go out and do three breweries and just like do it because people. People, there's actually tours that they go around the whole state of Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania is one of the biggest craft brewing cuts. But anyway, so long story short, like if you get out there and you need to make a name for yourself, and I'm not trying to be bar stool or anything like that, but the idea is just sort of mimic that. I think it could be a common. I think my 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 ideal vision is being a hybrid between bar stool and uh, Z Dog, uh, the MD, the doctor that does these videos, who's like the most informative guy and in, about everything. I, I think so. Having that combination between the two of being fun and and witty and and um, informative is, is, the, is the balance I'm trying to find, and that's hard. Yeah, I agree, but it's nice to that any entertaining factor. It's cool that you're thinking about that. We'll catch up, and hopefully you'll have a chance to do that. We'll see how it went. So, you know, obviously we'll stay in touch. More than appreciate you spending this hour. We'll give you a little bit of, little bit of a break as well. Um, yeah. Anybody who has any questions, you know, obviously you can throw them in the comments, and we'll come back to them. I'll tag you, John, here, so anybody who wants to talk to John or, or see you can go right over to your page. So I'll that can't do it from here, unfortunately. Um, but then thank you so much for your time and sharing that with us and being an open book. It was a really cool conversation. I got through everything I, like I wanted to know. Nobody asked any questions. I felt like we were answering them all, but we had 11 people carry for the whole hour. So um, that's that's a lot you know, for us. That's that's really good. So I, I appreciate you being here and sharing all that stuff. Great, guys. Well, thanks, guys. Have a good holidays. We'll, we'll catch up soon. Cheers, all right. man. All right. Bye, guys. Awesome show. Yeah. I thought it went really well. I love the conversation. I think that goes with us knowing each other too, is that it makes it easier to talk. And, and John's always been an open book and answering questions. It makes it so easy when people give you real answers. Um, Cause I know that's what people really want to know. And for him to own his own business also gives him the opportunity to speak, come on this live show, give those real answers, say whatever he wants. And obviously as long as you're not like by Apple, then, you know, it's, it's going to be fine. So I think people think too much about, how scary it's going to be to be on their own. But, um, you know, I think if you can handle the operation side and you find yourself being in that place and you think you're headstrong, you know, to be a, to be an entrepreneur, um, an RIA may be the way to go, but I think you should talk to somebody first, do your research as always. Yeah. I think it's a lot to take on. I think John has a personality to be able to manage that. Um, and, and he I, saved I, up a lot, like for a year yeah. and a half of self expenses, six months, business expenses, that was a proper split. Like, I'm sure he was eating soul for a long time to be able to get to that number to say, I'm going to jump over here. So I know I'm comfortable for my family. That's something that I didn't do. <laughs> I probably should have done a little bit more, but I remember um, when he did it, he didn't, I mean, he's been very careful with his spending and, yeah. um, and been very diligent about saying this has to work because there's no alternatives. So every dollar has to be saved. But I love that because that's how you have to be. Like, I have to make this work. This has to work. I'm not doing anything else. And that's the way I think about this. So that's the way it's like when you see changes or you see doing things new, I'm like, no, it has to work. I'll do whatever it takes. And that means mistakes, but it also means finding our way. So mm -hmm. thanks so, for hanging out with us for an hour, guys. Um, have an awesome weekend. And we will be back next week. And that'll be Wearing awesome. Santa Claus outfits. Wearing Santa Claus outfits. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So we'll see you guys then. Uh, again, appreciate it. If you have any questions, still get them in below um, and we'll be able to answer them later in the day if you happen to be watching this after the fact and you made it all the way to the end. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Cool. Thank you for listening. We hope that you find value in this show. We hope that you find value in MCO Advisors. You finding success means everything to us. If you found value in this show, please leave us a rating. Thank you all. Talk soon. <laughs>